Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Bearded Things. I'm one of your bearded hosts. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my buddy Tyler. Tyler, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I am. Uh, we spent a long time talking off the air. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I'm tired. I am physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. Uh, it's been a rough week or so. Uh, just dealing nothing crazy just dealing with work and the pandemic and the karens that come in without masks and i get super sassy and i get corporate calling me so it was fun that sounds sounds like a blast yeah it was it was it was in the moment it felt right looking back on it i may have overreacted a smidge but uh, i don't really care you can't tell me what to do i'm the boss exactly <laughs> you're not the boss of me <laughs> Except for my boss, who will get the corporate complaint and be like, WTF, Tyler, what's going on? So that's another story. We'll deal with that later. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point in the pandemic, I'd like year eight or month eight. I can't tell anymore. Right. Who knows what chapter on we're anymore. Yeah, just put the dang mask on, man. We're that's going through I, like I, a I, new wave. Just put it on. If you don't like it, there's things like Postmates. And uh, I forget the other one that they deliver groceries. Yeah, there's Instacart. DoorDash is now doing stuff on our store, too. That's kind of interesting. Um, there's a lot of different options. So, yeah, if you're really against masks for whatever reason, you can be. Ain't nobody stopping you. Just yeah. use delivery services and everybody's happy. Agreed. And we don't have to get into a catty, petty, sarcastic argument in front of customers. Yeah, because that's not cool. And nobody looks good. You might think you're looking all like brave and like a hero, but you're not John Wayne. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep nobody's a pilgrim here <laughs> uh, yuck 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 <laughs> so uh yeah i'm doing good i had a very productive busy week as well um i do the acting thing and i got an acting job this week yeah so. hell yeah Woo! yeah so uh i'm <laughs> preparing myself for a week worth of covid testing uh hmm. that's gonna be a blast so but think of the kid where is that kid with my latte <laughs> i can't wait for that moment it's going to be fantastic <laughs> it's going to be great but yeah seriously congratulations that's awesome Super yeah, proud. thank you thank you so much man thank it really means a lot and uh i'm looking forward to it i, I just yeah. can't wait to throw tantrums it's going to be great so when does the gay porn come out <laughs> that will be a special holiday release it's going to be called yeah. the stocking stuffer and uh <laughs> <laughs> exclusive to our only fans <laughs> yeah <laughs> That joke's never going to die. Nope, it's going to be great until we actually get an OnlyFans, which will be funny. Hey, who, I think it'd yeah. be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? Let's see. And if you are listening on a platform that allows ratings, uh, we would really appreciate a rating. It's going to go a very long way to help us. You know, things like iTunes, if you can give us a four star and a little shout out, we will love you forever. Is it four stars or five stars? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Droid user, so. Just go, yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. Just go all the way to the right. Give us the max <laughs> amount of stars you possibly can. And we will appreciate you. Yeah, I will sing you a song if you do it. Just let us know that you did. And I promise it won't be great, but I will do it. Hey, that's all that matters. Yeah. We'll just start making promises. <laughs> so Promises, promises. Yeah, see, we're warming up for you. Yeah. So I think that's all of the happy fun business out of the way, correct? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what are you going to be covering this week? This week, I am doing uh, the first part of a multiple part series that I'm calling The Cursed Collection. Ooh, I like that. It is on uh, the 27 Club. Oh, nice. So this is, uh, it'll be interesting. What are you doing? Yeah. I am also doing something a little bit, uh, not a, a collection, but uh, something that's kind of a little out of the ordinary for me. I'm going to be covering the Declaration of Independence. Oh, wow. 
That's the one uh, with the Jay Z album, right? Yeah. <laughs> Over. Uh, that should be uh, very interesting and very useful right now. Yeah, it was kind of uh, kind of appropriate, I think. That's uh, kind of what got me thinking of the topic, and I kind of explained that in my script a little bit. So hopefully, it, I I'm kind of proud of my script today. I hope it comes off well, and um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hashtag America. Yeah, but uh, I went first last time, so I believe you are up, good sir. All right, uh, let's just jump right into it. So the 27 Club, where to start? Uh, I know a lot of our Disney nerds might be mixing it up with Club 33, (laughs) which is a private, ultra-exclusive, members-only hidden restaurant and bar located on the various Disney properties around the globe. Although the 27 Club is just as exclusive, this is not the same thing. The 27 Club is a name given to a very odd phenomenon that happens to celebrities, mainly musicians. No one definitively knows why. What is the phenomenon? Well, an alarming number of musical icons die at the age of 27. People die all the time. What makes this so special? Well, my jaded skeptical listener, you are absolutely (laughs) right. What makes this special is the celebrities who've died. Let's take a look at the members of this fateful club. One of the Delta Blues' most celebrated and singular talents and number one on the list because it really started with this gentleman here by the name of Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson recorded chilling folkloric songs about hellhounds, the devil, and general despair. And what's weird about that is he did that literally first. It was like 1910 when he was active. So he was kind of the first one to do like heavy metal in the form of the blues and his style of music reverberated through rock and roll for decades. He recorded less than 50 songs, including ones later covered by the bands cream and the rolling stones and performed alongside for all my blues heads, uh, performed alongside the likes of Helen Wolf, Elmore James and Memphis slim as his, as he rose to fame. And a quote is you want to know how good the blues can get. Keith Richards once said, well, this is it. In August 1938, just a few months after his 27th birthday, Johnson made moves on the wife of the owner of a roadhouse where he was playing. He drank from an open bottle of whiskey he was offered and died three days later of strychnine poisoning and pneumonia. Damn. He went out, man. (laughs) He's buried in an unmarked grave in Mississippi. Have you ever heard the tale of selling your soul to the devil at the crossroads? Well, Mm -hmm. That legend is based on Robert Johnson. He's going to get a full story very, very soon. Another fateful member is the Rolling Stones' Brian Jones. Now, Jones' death at his country home in England in 1969 seems to be the result of rock star behavior. Rolling Stone magazine said, To mix alcohol and drugs and then to dive into the swimming pool was to swim directly into death's arms. As uh, clear as this seems, the death of Brian Jones has been one of the most persistent mysteries of rock and roll, with many people questioning the official version of what happened. Even members of the Rolling Stones have their doubts. And still, the mystery of his death hasn't been solved, Keith Richards has said. I don't know what happened, but there was some nasty business going on. Uh, And what's interesting is Keith Richard pops up on this list many, many times, (laughs) uh, and yet he cannot die by conventional means. He's a vampire. He's immortal uh, i believe he is king of the roaches because after the world ends <laughs> that's all that'll be left twinkies and keith richard yeah Jimi hendrix in the early hours of september 18th 1970 while staying with a girlfriend in london jimmy took some sleeping pills 
Nobody knows for sure how many pills he swallowed or whether he understood what he was actually taking. The drug was Vesperex, a strong barbiturate. Half a tablet was enough to put a man asleep for eight hours. Jimmy may have swallowed as many as nine. Oh, shit. He also had been drinking a lot. During his years on the road, Jimmy had gotten into the habit of using drugs indiscriminately. A uh, quote is, Jimmy would take a handful of shit, not even knowing what it was, his friend Deering Howe has said. <laughs> Another legend, Janice Joplin. Mm-hmm. At around 1 a.m. October 4th, 1970, she got her heroin kit out and injected a vein in her left arm. Then she went to the cigarette machine in the hotel lobby, returning to room with a pack. She closed the door, started to undress, and reached to put her packet on the nightstand. As she did so, her heart gave out, killing her instantly. She hit her face on the table as she fell to the floor, where she was found dead the next day. Damn. Jim Morrison. In an attempt to get his life back in order, Morrison took time off from the doors in the spring of 1971 and moved to Paris with Corson, his girlfriend at the time. However, he continued to be plagued by drugs and depression. On July 3rd, 1971, Corson found Morrison dead in the bathtub of their apartment, apparently of heart failure. Since the French officials found no evidence of foul play, no autopsy was performed, which has in turn led to endless speculation and conspiracy theorizing about his death. In 2007, a Paris club owner named Sam Bernay published a book claiming that Morrison died of a heroin overdose at his nightclub and was later carried back to his apartment and placed in the bathtub to cover up the real reason for his death. Interesting. There's also a lot of uh, debate about him actually being dead, uh, what actually killed him, was there a cult? There was, there's a <laughs> lot of weird mystery around Jim Morrison. Kurt Cobain, arguably one of the biggest names of the grunge scene that came out of Seattle in the 90s, committed suicide on April 5th, 1994, after years of struggling with addiction. Jonathan Brandis. You might remember Brandis from movies like Ladybug, Sidekicks, the original version of Stephen King's It, he was a uh, stuttering Stanley, mm-hmm. and uh, Sequest. He was found a few minutes after he decided to hang himself. He was rushed to the hospital where he died the next day. There's Amy Winehouse, Anton Yelchin of Star Trek fame, artist Jean-Michel Basquat, and a full list on Wikipedia if you really want to go down that rabbit hole. What I really found interesting is the list traditionally lists Robert Johnson as one of the first people to join the club. A man, according to legend, sold his soul to the devil. So there's a lot of folklore that ties in with this. The legend of the 27 Club is so notorious, science got involved. A study published by the British Medical Journal in December 2011 concluded that there was no increase in the risk of death for musicians at the age of 27, Although the sampled musicians faced an increased risk of death in their 20s and 30s, this was not limited to the age of 27. A 2015 article in The Independent also provided a statistical evidence that popular musicians are not more likely to die at the age of 27. One theory is that the artists I listed lived hard, partied hard, and for the most part, lived the dangerous cliche rock star lifestyle of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Personal note, when I was in my 20s, particularly about 26, I was sure I was going to die at 27. I spent most of 27 just getting ready for it. And as 28 hit, the realization that I just wasn't that cool hit as well. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very bittersweet thing. (laughs) So is there any truth to the 27 Club? There's definitely a strange coincidence between the level of influence an artist and the age. And 
in all fairness, they lived enough lives for all of us. I'll end with a quote from Neil Young's My My Hey Hey out of the blue. My My Hey Hey, rock and roll is here to stay. It's better to burn out than to fade away. My My Hey Hey. And that is my quick glance over of the 27 Club. That's awesome. I like that. That was good. Yeah, it, I just thought it was really cool that the British Journal of Medicine jumped in yeah. because they noticed the trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took the time to study it and everything. Like that's that's really. I mean, it's not cool, but it's interesting that it it garnered garnered that much attention that they're going to say, you know, let's look into this. Let's approach it with a scientific mind instead of just like the pop culture conspiracy mind. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, I think before we get into banter with the beardsies and my topic, it is time for a quick commercial break, and we're back. Uh, and now it's time to get into our banter with the Beersleys. <laughs> so magical. Yeah. It's just so, so awesome. <laughs> so Tyler, what is banter with the Beersleys? Banter with the Beersleys is our fun, off the cuff, unscripted sort of free time, if you will. Get something that you, the listener, have submitted and a topic you want to know about or you want to hear our take on uh, something if you want like advice people have done like beard tips in the past we've talked about favorite disney stuff uh anything fun like that if you just kind of want an opinion or you have you've always had a, a question like is it pronounced gif or is it pronounced incorrectly is jiff exactly ask us we can talk about that we can go <laughs> on and on about it that's kind of the, the premise of it and our topic today comes in from our good friend mouse who writes in saying have you ever been to the Magic Castle? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, wh- why don't you go first? I'll let you go first on that one. Uh, I have not been to the Magic Castle because magic's not real. Uh, I'm you kidding. watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've never been, even though my best friend and fellow podcast host um, is a magician and can go to Magic Castle wherever he wants. He has yet to invite me. Uh, actually, that's not true. I did invite you. And when? Uh, so I guess it's my turn to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have been to the Magic Castle several times. There was a period where I almost lived there, man. I was there like mm-hmm. almost every day for a couple of summers. Well, wait, time out. We should probably explain what the Magic Castle is for people who are not from the Southern California, LA region. Yes, that part was next. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> uh, so what the Magic Castle is, uh, I'm sure most people are familiar with the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. So picture the Haunted Mansion, and then instead of you know special effects and ghosts everywhere, you have uh, in all of the different nooks and crannies, you have different sized uh, performing venues. So you might have a theater that can seat 100 people, and then you might have a close-up room where they do a lot of card magic and close-up magic tricks. Uh, that seats 15 and it's scattered throughout this Victorian mansion. That's uh, three stories and uh, it's a members only club. It's actually one of the last members only um, facilities in Los Angeles and it's one of the oldest and um, it's literally the premier place to see magicians as a magician. I know a lot of people have this expectation about magicians where they do like little kids birthday parties and whatnot. It's not that this, this is not your kid's birthday magic level stuff. This is, um, (laughs) you can catch Penn and Teller doing shows there on occasion when they get permitted in, 
uh, which isn't often because they give away a lot of magic secrets <laughs> during their shows, so they're not regular performers, but you can run into them there. You can run into people like David Blaine and Chris Angel there. Like, it's the elite magicians from across the globe. It's just their little hangout spot to jam together. Um, there is a mandatory dress code where gentlemen must wear uh, a suit and, jacket. Uh, yeah, suit and tie, <laughs> and women uh, must wear an evening dress or uh, a power pantsuit. Nice. And um, yeah, it it is absolutely amazing. Um, and I did invite you. I think it was it was a while back. I think this was like in the summer when all of us were pretty much living in your driveway. <laughs> possibly <laughs> yeah it was back then and uh i was going with a friend but i don't think you had a suit that's a possibility because i rented a suit when i got married and yeah uh i don't own a suit which is kind of sad but yeah we need to get you to to suit up and then we can i know i need to be a big boy and buy a suit eventually <laughs> we'll see yeah um but yeah that that's really the, the only requirement um I, there's actually i know for a fact a few members of the the magic castle who are listening to this podcast so shout out to my fellow magi yeah, yeah. and um yeah so that's the the magic castle in a nut, nutshell it's a, a beautiful building with world-class magicians and uh it's it's a night you won't forget if you can get in is um dumbledore and harry potter do they make guest appearances they're not i don't think they would make it to be honest it's a very high standard. At, at Calibre. <laughs> <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't, um, I don't know if MC is the right word, but like one of the hosts, isn't Neil Patrick Harris like really big? Doesn't he do a lot of stuff there? Um, so if you become a member of the Magic Castle, the castle is yours to use at your will as long as scheduling permits. So if you're a member, you can like book it out for the day and record all your stuff there. So Neil Patrick Harris is a member there, and I know when he's in uh, the LA area, he'll go and hang out there. Um, oh, okay, but he doesn't regularly perform there. Got it. Okay, I feel like I've just seen a lot of stuff with him being there, so maybe he just shows up a lot. Yeah, and again, like as long as you can hire a camera crew and you're a member, you can just go. So, uh, and then fun fact too: there was a magician by the name of Di Vernon, and he is a legend amongst the magicians. He is a uh, he kind of the real Gandalf, I guess, in a lot of ways. Nice. Uh, he pretty much changed magic to what you see today, especially mm. with TV magicians, just this really powerful magic stuff instead of just like it, the coins behind your ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he played, he was very influential. And after he passed away, um, they actually held his ashes above one of the theater doors at the magic oh, castle. Wow. So there's been legends and lore of ghosts there for a very long time. Um, and I, there's a very dark thing that happened relatively recently where a performer actually committed suicide mm -hmm. uh, at the castle in one of the dressing rooms. Damn. Yeah. But um, it's a very interesting place. It's a very magical place. And uh, I've literally never been any place like it in the world. There's an, uh, a, England has their version of it called the Magic Circle. Um, it's very old and just as difficult to get into, but you know, it's, uh, it's part of the brotherhood of magicians and it's really cool. Nice. That's awesome. Thank you for enlightening us. Uh, cause I like nothing I, I know of it and I don't know much about it. So that's awesome. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And as soon as it opens back up because of COVID restrictions, uh, <laughs> and, 
and you get a suit, sir, we will be going. <laughs> I will. I own like 900 ties. I just got to get like the jacket and, you know, the actual suit part. I have three-fourths of the outfit. Okay, well, that's a start. I don't own a cummerbund, so I can't do a, a bow tie affair. You don't need a but. cummerbund for the bow tie. I mean, you can. It's a good, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll have a fashion part at one point. I, I love like men's formal wear fashion. That's like the only part of fashion I get because I'm really bad at dressing myself. But <laughs> men's fashion, like I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. I'm like, uh, my fashion hasn't changed in like 50 years. It's cuff yeah. jeans, chucks, and a t-shirt. Like <laughs> <laughs> Everything I own is black, blue, or gray. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So that was our Banter with the Beasleys. Woo! Thank you, Mouse, for submitting, and uh, we will give you uh, the addresses where you can submit as well uh, shortly. Yes. So now that that is done, Tyler, I believe you are up good, sir. Uh, right. Um, hopefully we'll get through this and um, it goes out well. Uh, like I said, I'm really tired, so if it comes off a little delirious, I apologize. Nice. Uh, <laughs> okay, so like I said, for today's episode, I wanted to touch on something a little bit different. And as we also mentioned, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Constitution of the United States. It's been thrown around in the news lately with the elections and everything going on. And it really got me thinking about some really important, like crucial documents in the history of our country. And it made me really want to cover kind of the history and some of the stories of the Declaration of Independence because it's kind of kind of interesting. And I won't go super deep into like the story of the Revolutionary War and the colonies fight for independence today. Although that does fascinate me because, as I've said on this podcast many times, I am a huge history nerd. Uh, I don't want to bore you guys with that just yet. Um, so I'm going to touch on the story of the signing of the Declaration, the Declaration of Independence, because there's a lot of stuff that we don't really know or we know we have fake news about it. Um, so cue the uh, 30 for 30 ESPN dramatic music. What if I told you that the 4th of July wasn't when the colonies officially declared officially declared independence blasphemy what if i told you that one of the most controversial founding fathers actually tried to include an anti-slavery clause but it got voted out what if i told you that in august of 1776 members of congress decided it was time to not just say they wanted independence but they declared it the bearded things presents when the heck are we supposed to barbecue the story of the declaration of independence bum 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 Okay, so all joking aside, <laughs> um, I do want to point out that, you know, the Declaration of Independence is without a doubt one of the most famous and influential documents in American history. If you're not in the U.S. listening to this, I think you probably still heard of the Declaration of Independence. Most countries and sovereign states have some sort of Declaration of Independence of their own. We're talking about ours here. Um, in America, I think every child growing up kind of learns that from a young age what it is. It's burned into our memories. And with that knowledge comes the date that we all know to be our Independence Day, which is July 4th. But jokes on America, we technically celebrate the wrong day. Not only was independence not declared on July 4th, the Declaration of Independence wasn't even signed and completed until August of 1776. So I'm going to get into that timeline shortly, but I kind of want to set the scene for, for just a moment. 1776. Yeah, 1776. Okay. <laughs> now, imagine, if you will, a world very different from ours today. Many citizens do not feel safe outside of their homes. The, author the authoritarian militaristic force of the day goes about their business seemingly unchecked. They can order you out of your house 
or off the street and forcibly extract information out of you. And if you don't comply, you could be beaten or shot. The country is led by a tyrannical leader who is power hungry and continues to operate without checks and balance and does whatever the hell he wants. Okay, so it's not really much different than it is today. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds but, really familiar. <laughs> but um, in the 1770s, the colonies, they were willing British subjects. They wanted to be controlled by an outside government. You know, they didn't want the burden of leading a country or leading sovereign states and managing, you know, all of these colonies. That was until a series of levies sent down by King George III made living in colonial America exceedingly difficult. The French and Indian War, also known as the Seven Years' War, had just ended a decade or so earlier, and Britain needed to pay for the cost of the war, and they thought raising taxes would be the best option. Over the course of the decade, taxes were raised more and more, and some colonists began to revolt. You may or may not have heard about the certain party that happened in the Boston Harbor, where tons of tea was spilled in the Atlantic Ocean. So, and when I say tons of tea, I mean literally tons of tea. It was estimated that over 92,000 pounds of tea, which would fill about 18.5 million tea bags, just for reference here, uh, and it would cost what would be the equivalent in today's money of just over a million dollars worth of product that was dumped in the ocean. After what would later become known as the Boston Tea Party, Britain was understandably pissed. They decided to close Boston Harbor, which effectively shut down the economy. They fired all colonial government officials in Boston and installed a British military governor and, they fi and finally, they expanded the Quartering Act, which basically allowed British soldiers to do whatever the fuck they wanted. They could live in people's homes, they could take their food and goods, and there was nothing they could do. These acts, which the colonists named the Intolerable Acts, was the catalyst to the forming of the First Continental Congress. Yay, Congress! Time to get independence rolling, right? Wrong. Notice how I called it the First Continental Congress? Well, that's because these guys weren't really dead set on getting their independence on just yet. Aside from future U.S. President John Adams and his cousin Sam Adams, these two guys were not only really good at making beer, they also wanted nothing to do with being governed by some guy thousands of miles away across an ocean. Another reason this Congress didn't work out was because only 12 of the 13 colonies sent representatives. Georgia decided to sit this one out. No, not because they were busy hand-counting votes to see if the people wanted independence or anything. They were actually fighting a, a difficult uprising from the Native American population, and were dependent on Britain to provide arms and supplies for their fight. The big takeaway from the First Continental Congress in 1774 is that one, colonists did not want independence just yet, but they weren't happy, so they established a boycott of British goods and sent a letter to King George III, basically apologizing, they kind of begged him to accept the apology, and asking that he repeal the intolerable acts. And two, they just kind of wanted to wait a couple years and see how it played out, and they would come together to talk about things. Not surprisingly, King George completely ignored the letter and he never sent a reply. So he was the original ghoster. So the, the colonists decided to wait and see what was going to go on. But then this pesky little thing called the shot heard round the world happened in April of 1776. The shot actually wasn't a single shot, but rather the opening battle of the Revolutionary War, which was the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Without getting too deep into this battle, because basically... The British soldiers were ordered to secure arms and munitions from colonial rabble-rousers called the Sons of Liberty. You may have heard of them. Uh, they went to the town of Lexington where they were met by around 70 colonial militiamen. It was unknown who fired the first shot, but after the skirmish, eight colonial men lay dead while none British. The British moved on to the town of Concord just a few miles away where they met a significantly larger force on a bridge north of town. Here, 
a militia leader ordered colonists to fire on the British soldiers, which ended up at the end of the battle. Two colonists were dead and three British soldiers died. The British retreated and the colonists celebrated their first victory. Raise a glass to free. <laughs> uh, one witness to this battle was a minister by the name of William Emerson Sr. Reverend Emerson would go on to tell his children and great-grandchildren about this battle, and one of his grandchildren went on to write a poem about the battle. You may recognize that last name, by the way. The poem is entitled Concord Hymn, and is written by Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of the most well-known poets in American history. The opening line of this poem goes, By the rude bridge that arced the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmer stood and fired the shot heard round the world. After this battle, colonial leaders decided that they, could, they couldn't really wait any longer, and they convened the Second Continental Congress. This time, all 13 colonies sent delegates, and together they tried to figure out how to respond to the growing British oppression. Initially, they just wanted to form a kind of a, a group of militia between the colonies, and they wanted to stop British, the British from continuing their overbearing ways. But eventually, a man by the name of Richard Henry Lee drafted a resolution in calling for full and complete independence from the British crown. It read, Resolved that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connections between them and the state of Brit Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved. That is expedient forthwith to take the most effectual measures for forming foreign alliances, that a plan of confederation be prepared and transmitted to the respective colonies for their consideration and approbation. So Lee took this to Congress and he's like, yo, we got this, let's do this. But then Congress is like, no, we're not going to do this. Obviously, Massachusetts voted for it because their delegates, which were led by the Adams cousin, they wanted independence from the get-go. But almost half the delegates sent to this Congress weren't even allowed to vote for independence because their governors strictly forbid them from voting on it. So they waited three weeks for everyone to get approval and to vote, and then they voted again. Congressional leaders, they all agreed that any resolution on independence would have to be unanimous for it to pass. So on Monday, July 1st, Congress voted, but they did not get a unanimous vote. Delaware, for some reason, only sent two of their three delegates, and those two delegates split. One was for independence, one was against independence. Pennsylvania and South Carolina voted no, and New York still didn't have anyone, they weren't allowed to vote. So Monday night after they, they ended their session, shit started happening real fast. It turned into a movie all of a sudden. The Delaware delegate who voted yes sent a letter to the third delegate and told him, get the fuck over here because this other guy is going to fuck things up. So the third delegate, a Mr. Caesar Rodney, he received the letter. He literally dropped everything he was doing. He was in the middle of work. He dropped everything. He jumped on a horse and he rode through the night to get to Philadelphia from Delaware. Also during this time, Many of the congressional delegates met at a bar after their session ended and a group from the pro-independent side, namely one Edward Rutledge, convinced the delegates from South Carolina that it would be in their best interest to vote yes for independence if they wanted things to go okay for them in the future. A similar message was delivered to the delegates from the anti-independence Pennsylvania group, but they were still staunchly opposed. So the two sides came up with a deal where the two anti-independence Pennsylvania delegates would just happen to forget that they were going to show up. They didn't know there was a vote, and it would leave only the pro-independence delegates to vote. So one more time, it's time to vote. Tuesday, July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress votes. This time, South Carolina has a change of heart. They vote yes. 
our galloping delegate, Mr. Rodney, arrives in time to break the tie in Delaware. New York abstains from voting because they still don't have permission to vote. And our naysaying Pennsylvania delegates, they forgot to set their alarm clock, so they slept in and they don't arrive in time to cast their vote. So the final tally is 12 colonies in favor of independence and one colony abstains. The resolution passes and the colonists declare their independence from Britain. It makes the evening edition of the Pennsylvania Post that night on July 2nd stating, this day, the Continental Congress declares the United Colonies are free and independent states. John Adams writes his wife Abigail saying, quote, the second day of July, 1776, will be the most me memorable epic in the history of America. 1776. <laughs> I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be comm commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Yay, America. <clears throat> I just gotta say, that's kind of crazy. Like, from what he wrote is, like, very similar to how the United States celebrates the 4th of July right now, like our Independence Day. Like, that man yeah, had just the foresight. Throwing some beer and barbecue, and it's pretty spot on. Exactly. So why do we celebrate on July 4th instead of July 2nd? Well, we have our friend Thomas along with Congress being Congress to thank for that. And by Thomas, I mean the man who has been kicking ass as the ambassador to France. You simply must meet Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson's coming home. Never going to be president now. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so <laughs> as soon as Lee proposed independence, Thomas started drafting a, a document to coincide with the declaration from Congress. And Thomas Jefferson's credit, he actually finished. He worked through the night for two and a half days. Like he didn't sleep, he didn't do any of that stuff. So by July 2nd, he was ready. He showed it to Congress, but they disagreed in a lot of the wording. For example, the original line in the beginning of the document was written as, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable. But one Mr. Benjamin Franklin, who is believed to be responsible for changing the wording in the beginning to, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Another whole passage was removed from the declaration altogether. Surprisingly, giving Jefferson's status as a slaveholder, he wrote a 168 word passage condemning slavery and blaming King George III for the slave trade in America. He called slavery a crime against humanity. He called it piratical warfare, basically pirate warfare, and an assemblage of horrors amongst other things. Now, why was this taken out of a document that begins by saying that all men are created equal? Well, to put it bluntly, many Southern delegates, mother, many Southern delegates didn't want to lose their main source of income. In the South, almost the entire economy was based on the production of goods that it was cultivated by slaves, and the delegates didn't want to lose any of that. Jefferson points out later in a memoir that two states, specifically South Carolina and Georgia, refused to adopt the resolution and would not vote for independence if it was in the Declaration. He also noted that several northern states did not try very hard to stop them. Ultimately, the passage gets removed, and it's not part of the declaration at all. Uh, side note, it's crazy. I can only imagine how or if things would be different today if the Declaration of Independence had a passage condemning such acts that, like, our country still hasn't recovered from. Like, it just, I, can, I can only imagine, like, you know, it's something that's held so reverently that if we had this act, you know, maybe some people would see it differently, but... Maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, it'd be a very different world we're in right now. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so um, Congress spends two days debating the document and all the wording, and they finally agree that it's complete and perfect on July 4th. So that's when Thomas Jefferson takes the document to the print shop and has the words copied onto parchment and distributed. At the top of it, it says, in Congress, July 4th, 1776. Because of that, because that's the day it was printed, that's the day we've all come to accept as the day that independence was, was declared, even though it was formally declared on July 2nd. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, the original document said, quote, a declaration by the representatives of the United States of America, because even by July 4th, New York still couldn't vote. But by July 9th, they got the approval and they voted yes, which changed the final document to what we see it as today is in Congress 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. Congress then took this document and they began to sign and get everything ready. But by the time the declaration had been printed, a lot of the delegates had already left. They'd gone home already. Um, another kind of side note is, you know, John Hancock is famous for having the largest signature. It's right there in the middle. And, you know, we now ask people for their John Hancock when we're asking for them to sign something. Herbie Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tommy Boy. Uh, <laughs> I love that movie. Um, and many people have probably heard the story. When Hancock signed, he was asked why it was so big. And he replied, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> he replied, so his majesty King George can read it without his spectacles. This is, however, just a legend, and there's actually no evidence whatsoever saying that he mentioned anything about why he signed it so big and had nothing to do with um, King George. In truth, John Hancock was just kind of that guy. By all accounts, he was rich, handsome, and he was known as a pretty extravagant partier. He was the type of person to make sure whatever he did, everyone was going to see it. He's kind of like the original like Instagram influencer. Um. It should also be noted that a lot of the signatures from the members of Congress, they weren't there when the document was signed because some of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence weren't even elected to Congress until August, and they had the petition to sign the declaration. So we can't say that, oh, the, the Founding Fathers signed it on July 4th. Regardless, as I said in the opening, the Declaration of Independence cemented the cause of the colonists and emboldened them to continue the fight for freedom from the British. The Revolutionary War would continue to be fought and would go on until 1783 when Britain finally surrendered and signed the Treaty of Paris, which ended the war and acknowledged independence. It is unknown whether or not King George felt blue and sang a melancholy song. <laughs> uh, finally, I want to leave you with an interesting story revolving around July 4th. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were well-known friends during the debates over independence, and Jefferson went on to serve as vice president under Adams. But that's when their friendship kind of turned into a sour note and they became more of a rivalry. When Jefferson took over as president, Adams disagreed with many policies and was pretty vocal about it. The two stopped speaking and did not acknowledge each other for many years. That changed about a decade later in 1812 when Adams reached out and was like, yo, my bad, bro. You know things get crazy when politics get involved, right? Like, we're cool. And they began writing each other over the course of 15 years. They wrote 158 letters to each other. So they were kind of, you know, they got their bromance on. Um, sadly, John Adams died at 6.20 p.m. on July 4th, 1826, 50 years to the day that the Declaration of Independence was adopted. John Adams' last words were, Thomas Jefferson survives. Sadly, 
Adams did not know that Jefferson had actually died earlier that day at 12.50 p.m. And it's kind of crazy to me to think that two signers of the Declaration of Independence and crucial founding fathers would die on the 50th anniversary of the document being adopted. Even more crazy is that fellow founding father James Monroe also died on July 4th, but in 1825, 55 years after the Declaration was adopted. This makes July 4th the deadliest day for U.S. presidents <laughs> in history. And that, my bearded friends, is the story of the Declaration of Independence. That's awesome. And then I, I just always thought it was poetic that they, uh, you know, they hated each other for a really long time. They rekindled their bromance and then they pass away the same day. Yeah. Within hours of each other. Like it's, it's crazy. And I know there's a thing with like Thomas Jefferson, his last words were like no more doctor because the doctor was trying to give him more laudanum, which we talked about in a couple episodes back. Um, but before that, his like last like non delirious words were, today's the fourth right like he wanted to make sure that it was the fourth of july before he passed away like which is just crazy that they were so involved in fighting for that cause that you know it was on their mind even to like the end of his life squad goals <laughs> exactly so in um, 50 years we got to die the same day hours apart regardless yeah we just have to do it from um the moment our podcast was started right so back in july or whatever it was we have to plan it up the first week of September, so 50 years from the first week of September, no matter got what it. our health is, yeah, <laughs> we both got to go. Yeah. All right. Time to go. That would make me 84. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'd be 87. So Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, it's a good run. I don't know if I'll make it to 84, but hey, if I make it to 84, that's pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah, everybody in my family dies in their 50s, so yeah, <laughs> if I make it to 87, that's cool. Right on. So yeah, awesome job. Very patriotic, if you will. And I think it's a lot of the little things that we forget about when we take, we really do take advantage of our great nation. So it's a nice reminder of what the core was, what happened, the sacrifices and the, yeah. the countless hours spent, you know, trying to make it work. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. Uh, like, I hope it wasn't too boring. I know history can be a bog. I tried to like make it a little more fun. Um, but it's really interesting when you look into like the Continental Congress, like when they met, like they met from late June into like all of, you know, most of July and into August when they signed everything. And it's like, it wasn't like these, like now, you know, the Congress, like they live in Washington, they live around Washington, they can walk to the, you know, the, the step, the, the state house. These congressional delegates lived in their colonies. So they came and they, 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 they traveled to Philadelphia where they signed the Declaration of Independence. And they just stayed in like these inns and these taverns and they slept on cots and on the floor because they didn't have like hotels. They didn't have boarding at the time. Yeah. They and, like, didn't they have just, funding for private offices yeah, at the state they had house. Nothing. Like, yeah. Like they literally were like, this is what we're working on. And there's a, fun, you know, we were quoting Hamilton throughout most of the, <laughs> the, the script there. Um, and Tommy boy. And Tommy boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they talk about like in one of the, I think it was, I think it might be the second Continental Congress when Alexander Hamilton gives no Hamilton was fighting in the war already. So it was the first Continental Congress when Hamilton was there and he's talking and he talked for like six hours and it was like 95 degrees in Philadelphia and the humidity and everyone's like, dude, shut the fuck up. And he's just talking this whole time. Like it's just, they were so passionate about the cause that like they were, they didn't care what was going on. Like it's just, yeah. And like, they were doing it, it 95 granted. degrees in a room full of people wearing coats and wigs. Yep exactly it yeah. was not I, cool times man it was very very and there was no air conditioning back then no fans the nothing mm -hmm. you just no iced tea like you just you you sucked it up 
and the crazy like they have reports about again i'm going super deep in the nerddom right now but like because they were meeting about like talking about independence they were kind of being secretive so they couldn't even open a window because they didn't want anyone to hear them so they're like they're in this boarded up building with the windows closed like just sweat boxing and how emma alexander hamilton's over here talking for six hours like it's crazy and if they didn't do that we would not be here today living in the world that we live in exactly exactly and people taking it for granted and invoking the constitution and all these things and you know saying that this is what the founding fathers would have thought when i don't think any of us know what they were thinking at the time like they it was a completely different world they lived in so yeah it's just it's crazy yeah awesome job man thank you i hope i didn't put anyone to sleep (laughs) (laughs) so if somebody wanted to reach out to us and give us a topic for banter with the beardsley share a story or just say hey where can they do that yeah, they can reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. Our Instagram is at Bearded Things Pod. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Bearded Things. YouTube is at Bearded Things. And Twitter is at Bearded Things Pod. You can also find us on our Facebook group, which we started, which is the Bearded Things Bearded Friends group. You can search for us on Facebook. And I think Chris has also been linking it in some of the posts on Spotify. You can find the link there. You can also email us at contact us at beardedthings.com or go to our website beardedthings.com and fill out the contact form that goes straight to our email and like you said anything you want to add you want to come up with a topic you want to send us a story that we'll share on campfire tales you want to just chat say hey you feel lonely you feel bored you want to talk to a couple bearded gentlemen we would love to hear from you yeah absolutely and i will be putting a link uh this week as well uh for our bearded friends group on facebook so just scroll down a little bit on this episode's information and uh click it join the group it'll be fun (laughs) Make it good. Yeah. So that's it for this week, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Bye.